Mothers in the United States have the lowest rates of breastfeeding in the developed world. What are the immediate and lasting benefits of breastfeeding for infants and nursing mothers? How does breast milk compare to formula in terms of the baby's nutrition and long-term growth and development? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Lori Feldman Winter, Associate Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey at Camden, and an Executive Committee member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Section on Breastfeeding. Welcome, Dr. Winter. Thank you for having me. Let's talk a little bit about the benefits of breastfeeding. First, why don't we talk about the nutritional value of breast milk? Well, the mother's milk meets all of the nutrient needs of the infant for the first about six months of life. So we recommend that mothers exclusively breastfeed, meaning giving no other form of food or fluids during that time period and continue to exclusively breastfeed. And then we recommend mothers start to introduce complementary foods at around six months of life, but continue to breastfeed for the first year so that babies can reap all of the nutrient benefits. Benefits of breastfeeding, however, go way beyond just meeting the baby's nutritional needs in terms of proteins and carbohydrates and fats. It really speaks to the health outcomes of that infant. So breastfeeding is more than just good nutrition. You were mentioning health outcomes. What kind of health outcomes have been measured that show a benefit of breastfeeding? Well, there was recently a review of many different health outcomes in relation to breastfeeding, both for the baby as well as the mother. And it was shown that it really depends on the health outcome we're talking about how an infant is protected by breastfeeding. For example, we say that breastfeeding benefits are often dose-dependent. By dose, we mean how exclusive or intensive the breastfeeding is and then how long the breastfeeding goes on for. So for things such as gastroenteritis, breastfeeding protects gastroenteritis because of antibodies that are passed passively from the mother to the baby. And there's a 64% decrease in gastroenteritis with any breastfeeding versus no breastfeeding. So all you need is a little mother's milk with the antibodies to protect against gastroenteritis. Then we compare that to something like acute otitis media, ear infections, ear infections being one of the most common reasons we see children in our pediatric practices. Well, there's a 50% decrease in acute otitis media with exclusive breastfeeding for about three to six months compared to no breastfeeding. So that's where we get into the issue of exclusivity. So it's not just passively transferred antibody that protects against otitis media, but probably a whole cascade of immune benefits that need to exist from the very first day when the infant's immune system is developing. In addition to protecting against otitis media, there's protection against atopic dermatitis, very severe lower respiratory tract infections resulting in hospitalization, 72% decrease with exclusive breastfeeding again for four months, decreased incidence of asthma, up to 24% decrease in obesity, less diabetes, both type 1 and type 2 diabetes, and something that few people recognize, which is a decrease in cancer. There's a 19% decrease of ALL and a 15% decrease of AML with a long duration of breastfeeding, in that case, breastfeeding for more than six months. And you're talking about in the child? In the child, decreased incidence of ALL and AML in pediatric cancers, yes. 
Okay. And is there any benefit in reducing cancer risk in a nursing mother? Yes. I've mentioned so far health benefits in the infants, but there are also benefits in the mothers. And these include, in terms of cancer, a reduced risk, particularly for premenopausal breast cancer, up to a 28% decrease in premenopausal breast cancer for every year of breastfeeding, and an ovarian cancer protection of decrease of 21% for breastfeeding versus no breastfeeding. In addition, there's evidence that mothers can also be protected against developing type 2 diabetes if she breastfeeds, and also there may be some emotional protection and enhanced bonding for mothers that breastfeed. Now, what about the reports that have related breastfeeding to increased IQ? What's your feeling on breastfeeding and intelligence or verbal performance and other types of development? Well, this is an area of science that's still really being worked out. There are many reports, particularly in the premature population, studies from the United Kingdom, from Alan Lucas's group, that shows a benefit in terms of IQ for infants that are breastfed versus not breastfed. And those studies were controlled for things such as the mother's intelligence. However, when we look at the full-term infant, it's not clear. And many of the studies were done predating the addition of the long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids that were added relatively recently to infant formula. As we know, these long-chain fatty acids contribute to myelinization and neuronal growth. So it was presumed that the disparity between breastfeeding and non-breastfeeding infants in terms of IQ had to do with the lack of these long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids that didn't exist in formula. However, there's other components of breast milk that are also not parent in formula that contribute to neuronal growth and development. And while the review that I mentioned earlier that was conducted by ARC did not demonstrate any association, at least one that they felt confident in reporting, between childhood intelligence and breastfeeding, there are more recent studies that were published since the ARC review, one in particular, a randomized controlled trial from the group from Canada that randomized a breastfeeding promotion intervention that actually did demonstrate enhanced IQ. So I think that the story's not clear. The jury's still sort of out on this association. We know that the ARC review won't be repeated, but I think with more and more studies, such as the study from Canada we call the PROBIT study, we may be able to make a statement about the enhancement of IQ in breastfed infants over formula-fed infants. But again, I think we have to be careful to look at studies that are done after the supplementation of formula with DHA and ARA, which are the two polyunsaturated fatty acids, to actually be clear about whether or not there's a significant enhancement. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu. Our guest is Dr. Lori Feldman-Winter, Associate Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey at Camden, and an Executive Committee member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Section on Breastfeeding. Now, formulas seem to be getting better and better and closer in composition to breast milk these days. Let's talk a little bit about the addition of things such as probiotics and prebiotics. Does that make formula much closer to breast milk? Well, I can say unequivocally no, um, because there is 
no way possible to mimic human milk because human milk is so variable in and of itself. Human milk varies from woman to woman. Human milk varies throughout the time of the day, and it even varies from the beginning of the feed to the end of the feed in terms of overall nutrient composition. So when we think about things such as adding probiotics, we may actually see that there's a benefit to formula-fed infants, but we're nowhere near mimicking the immune benefits that exist with the human milk-fed baby because it's more than just the bacteria that provide immune competency. There's a variety of cytokines that exist in human milk that are actually exhibited in differential manners throughout the period of the first week of life. And these specific cytokines as well as other growth factors that vary and are very tightly timed in terms of their production actually in a sequential manner help the infant's own immune system to develop as well as producing the passive immunity through the secretory IgA. So we have yet to completely understand even how human milk enhances and helps develop the infant immune system in order to protect against the variety of diseases that can occur without being breastfed, let alone to take those factors and add them into formula would be virtually impossible because of the variability. Let's talk about some of the logistical factors of breastfeeding. Some new moms mention to me that they don't want to breastfeed because it's uncomfortable or it takes too long to learn how to do it. They prefer bottle feeding or formula feeding because somebody else can feed the baby, freeing up time for the mother. Mom's going back to work. What are some of the considerations when it comes to convenience, comfort, cost? We know that mothers that are educated throughout the prenatal period on the mechanics of how breastfeeding works, meaning the physiology, how milk is produced in the breast, and the mechanics of how breastfeeding exists and can occur when the baby is latched or attached onto the breast, those mothers that are equipped with that knowledge beforehand are much more likely to be successful breastfeeding. So it's important to teach mothers how to position the baby in a way that's a neutral position where the baby can be at rest, suckling at the breast with the mouth positioned just so, so that they're not causing damage to the nipple, not causing abrasions, which then are a very common reason for mothers to then get infections at the nipple, have nipple pain, and then go on and feel that it's not worth all the difficulties. And so if mothers are educated about that beforehand and then all of that is reinforced in the hospital, in a hospital that's supportive of breastfeeding, and mothers can demonstrate their knowledge and skills at that time before being discharged home, then mothers are much less likely to experience some of the reasons why they might give up. In addition, mothers that are supported in that especially first couple of weeks after delivery. Those mothers encounter pediatricians that are supportive of their breastfeeding and can recognize when problems exist and be able to overcome and help those problems right away. Those mothers are more likely to be successful. The next biggest challenge for mothers breastfeeding is the issue of separation. Separation because of lifestyle. Some mothers can't be home all the time with their babies. And so the choices are in that situation to continue to breastfeed by breastfeeding at the breast or expressing milk and storing milk so that the milk can be fed by 
other caretakers in a bottle or supplementing. And very often women choose to supplement at that period because they're unable to make that transition to make enough milk to store in order to continue breastfeeding. So it's important to make a plan early enough so that the mother's workplace and her environment is ready and mothers can anticipate what she's going to need in order to make enough milk. So it's important for mothers to know how to express milk either by using their hands or by having uh, effective pumps. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Lori Feldman Winter. We've been discussing the immediate and long-term benefits of breastfeeding. I'm Dr. Jennifer Hsu. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM157, and thank you for listening.